Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today's guest is a best-selling author, written the sales playbook. He's completed 15 full Ironman, 30 half Ironmans, 60 marathons in 33 different U.S. states. Jack, it's funny when I prepared for um, your intro, between the time I prepared for it and the time I delivered it right now, you probably did another two Ironman and three marathons. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hey, Greg. Um, no, no additional Ironmans or half Ironmans since that that summary that you just gave. However, on the marathon front, oh my goodness! How about fifty states, fifty marathons, seven continents, seven marathons, and a total of one hundred marathons with my. Most recent being in Athens, Greece on the original marathon route. That's awesome. So again, Jack, thanks for being on the show. Uh, our focus here is on the endurance mindset. And my leading question is, Jack, like, talk to us about how your endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. Well, uh, uh, here's, here's, I think, the, to, to put some historical perspective in uh, you know, we started with the marathons and the Ironman business. So, uh, I didn't run my first marathon until I was 46 years old. So you ought to make note of that because there's a whole heck of a lot of people at 46 that will claim, well, I should have done that when I was younger. Uh, you know, I, I ran off a string of a hundred marathons, uh, from 46 to what I am today, which is 74. Uh, uh, but the, the Ironman, uh, I didn't even know how to swim until I was 58 years old. And it starts with a 2.4 mile swim on the clock. So run off 15 Ironmans in the next eight years, that makes it 58 to 66. So there's plenty of time for people if they're into endurance events and they want to test their selves. Um, there's plenty of time for most people. I'm still chopping wood at, a, at, a, at 74 on all those types of things. In a couple months, I'll be taking the rim, the rim, the rim on. Uh, I'm bringing 40 people along on that journey at the Grand Canyon. It'll be my fourth journey of uh, introducing people to that endurance, uh, endurance uh, event, which is two days, uh, 50 miles, and about 700 flights of climbing. Uh, and and the last day of June is typically about 115 Fahrenheit in the canyon. So uh, endurance is my first middle and ending name. Uh, now let's go back to the question. Now that I've set some perspective there. Um, I, uh, I mentioned before we started the show that you've never seen my hair this long and that's because it's never been this long. And the reason it's this long is I am growing my hair out so that I can donate it to a cancer patient who has lost their hair. And I need about 12 inches or more. So I've got quite a ways to go, but uh, I'm on the journey. Now, uh, the reason I bring that up is I spent the better part of the pandemic years uh, fighting stage three malignant melanoma cancer. Uh, that included a significant operation in the month of April of 2020, uh, which if you recall, that's the lockdown beginning 
uh, and it's not a hospital you don't want to be in. Uh, and yet my doctor said, if we don't get you in here this month, you could be dead. So I, in I went, took the top of my head off, declared me cancer free. Eight months later, comes out my neck and uh, I go into the cancer center for 54 weeks of treatment. About um, five months ago, my doctor declared me cancer free once again. So hooray on that. But my doctor said, um, there's no reason that you need to come back and see me. You're like anyone else without cancer. And so I'm a cancer specialist. No reason for you to see me. However, I'm going to schedule you in the calendar for two visits a year. And the reason is because you conquered cancer because of three things. One thing was the advancement in the medicine. And so um, Keytruda was the drug that really helped me. And a few years ago, Keytruda was not on the marketplace. So advancement in medicine was one. The second reason, he said, was the incredible physical condition that you keep yourself in, um, which is a byproduct of all of this endurance racing, right? And the training that was with it. But he said the third element that really cut the difference was the six inches between your ears. Your attitude, he said, it was as if you never had cancer. You didn't change your behavior one iota. You didn't go into shelter and hiding. You didn't go into negative thinking. You, you operated as if you didn't even have it. And those three components really were the combination that caused you to be cancer-free. So he goes, the reason that I need you to see me twice a year um, is nothing to do with you. It's about me. I want your infectious positive attitude to come in here at least twice a year and jack me up. And I went out in the car and just emotionally fell apart. I felt so incredible and so grateful that I was able to be in the state that I am. And I, you know, I, I attribute uh, a good portion of that to the journey on the endurance uh, racing. Yeah. That's a great story. Um, and I could see, I could see your doctor making those comments and I host podcasts just to have you come into my life twice a year. So, so I can also relate. Um, Jack, talk to us a little bit more about that attitude, that can do positive attitude and, and going back across your life. Like when did that start for you? Was it something that you were born with and at an early age, you just realized that you had it or is it something, was it a tool that you developed over time and now are using in a way that's is impacting lots of different places in your life? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Greg. Um, and I don't pretend to know the answer. I'm the oldest of five kids and, um, my parents would have said I was the different one. Uh, my siblings would say I was the different one. Uh, and you know, most of them live pretty close to where we were born and raised. I live 3000 miles away. Uh, and I just, I just followed a different path in life than the other four. Um, the big event that took place in my life, I think was at 13 years old. And at 13, uh, I interviewed, uh, what I consider to be successful people in life. 
And I interviewed no less than 50 of them. And I looked for patterns in their answers. And the biggest pattern that I found was this. They said, you have to have goals. They needed to be in writing to qualify as goals, not to pick too many. Uh, pick some event or date that would signify closure or completeness or checking of the box. And fifth, share their goals with as many people as possible to increase accountability, pressure, that type of thing on you. And so I started my goal setting process at 13 years old. And, you know, I, I, it's always just a, a reach away, but this is my tracking vehicle on my goals. And in here uh, is a printed copy of my personal goals for this year. Um, and I look at them every day. Uh, this is everything that Jack wants to do this year. Uh, it's on my website uh, of a personal nature. And then inside this packet, uh, I, I actually record every day everything I do that relates to those personal goals. And at the end of the month, I have what I consider to be my high-off activities of my personal life month by month. And I can look at where I was last year for a month-to-month, year-to-year lookup. The, the, re the reason I bring this to your attention is that I have 60 of those. I started this at 13. I'm 74. I've been following that process. So now let's go back to the question, and that is, what, 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 where's that start? Where, where's that endurance business start? Um, I, I think it has to do with I'm goal-driven. I'm end zone-driven. And uh, uh, my wife, Bonnie, um, went to all 15 of my full Ironman races. And, 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 and watching an Ironman is, is, is not, a, it's not a spectator sport. I mean, you just don't get to see the, your athlete, but for a few seconds. And you don't see them at all in the swim. It, they might pass by you once in the bike, uh, and, and they might get a, a glimpse or two in the run. Uh, and you know, you're going to sit out in the elements for 14, 15 hours. If you're watching me, because that's what I'm taking to do these things. And, uh, and I said, why, why do you come to all these things? She said, because you're so committed to finishing that I get concerned that one of these, you're going to die. Now I never understood the logic because it's like, well, then I'd be dead. Why, why would it make a difference that you're here? <laughs> You take the body home or something. Uh, but 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 she was right in that context. Uh, 15 full Ironmans, I can tell you, I never raced an Ironman where I didn't want to quit somewhere along the way. And, and, and I can tell you each race, what, what where it was and why it was that I was quitting. And each time I would go through what I consider to be Herculean efforts to push through that because I arrived that morning to cross the finish line, no matter what, no matter what. Uh, I can remember doing one of those races and I was three miles from the finish of the bike. So you got a 112 mile bike. I'm three miles away from finishing it. And you know, there's very thin tires on the, on the tri, tri bugs. And the road was slick and I had a turn 
and I could feel the wheel. I could feel it just slipping out and going sideways on me. And what my coach told me, when you fall, don't put your arm out to brace your fall. You'll break your elbow. Just hold on to the handlebars and take it on the shoulder because your shoulder can hit, take the hit. So I take the hit and my bike and I, I'm clipped in on the, on the pedals. I slide along the road and I'm picking up gravel and it's shredding my skin on my arm and leg and all the way down. So I'm full of blood. There's all this gravel inside my body. And I got up and I, I went, well, nothing's broken. And then I went, well, nothing's broken on me. The, the wheel's broken on my bike. Uh, but I'm only three miles. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it on my shoulder and run that three miles. So I carried my bike for the last three miles. And then I saw the aid station right there. This tent with the, with the big red cross. And then I looked and I said, I'll, I'll get that when I'm done the red. And I had friends of the race seeing me, all this blood running down all over the place. And they're going, what's happened? I'm like, I just had to finish the run. Then I'll go into the med tent. So into the med tent, I went after the run. And then they said, they cleaned me up, bandaged me up and said, we're going to take you to the hospital to check and make sure you didn't break anything. Uh, it, it, why do you do that? Because I, I, I came there that morning to finish. So that's the why, Jack. Tell us about the how. Like, how do you get to that moment? And I've been there too. Um, you, know, I, you and I share this, uh, this love for racing. And you're right. Every single race, there's always a moment, if not multiple moments. Like, this is, who, what am I doing? Um, and that's a whole other podcast. We could just share stories. But talk to us about the, the how. Like, how do you build that muscle, that mental muscle, to be at that point? where you've just spilled on your bike, your front tire is gone, you're three miles from the run start, you know, how do you build that mental endurance so that when you're at that point, you know that you actually can keep going and it's not the end or the point of failure? So my wife, Bonnie, and I were married for 47 years and I lost her to pancreatic stage four cancer in 2017. Uh, and, and, and we had a great run. Uh, what a, what a, I met her at 16 years old and, and then, you know, I lost her at 68 years old. Um, but as much as we got along well together, I don't even remember an argument, quite frankly, in all those years, uh, uh, we were different and, uh, and, and, and Bonnie would, for example, go into a casino and not want to do anything, uh, but sit next to me, but she didn't like to play because, uh, she said the thrill of winning did not, uh, trump the, the agony of losing that, that, that whole idea of losing, she had to avoid, um, I, I, I can sit in a casino. I've sat in a casino for more than 24 hours in play. Uh, I don't move from the blackjack table. I've got third base covered. And if the table's got a bad run, I know statistically a good run's going to come sometime and I'll just park myself and wait for it to come back. Uh, because for me, the thrill of the win 
is worth the pain. Uh, I, 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 I live for the crossing the finish line, checking the box, doing something, pushing myself, all of those types of things. So, you know, if we go back to me and the blood on my arm and leg and all the rest of that, pain is temporary. Uh, I, you know, I, most everybody that's going to listen to this uh, has sat in that dental chair and felt that pain of the drill or whatever they're doing. Um, and as bad as it was to sit in that chair at the dentist, I can't even recall the pain right now. But I can recall vividly the crossing of the finish lines. I can tell you if a hundred marathons, I can tell you about every one of those marathons and how joyful it was. Um, and they've got pain in them. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, but it's the joy of, of knocking it off the list, accomplishing what you set out to do and realizing whatever it is that's, that's painful, it, it will pass. And, and, and quite frankly, that metaphor isn't just for races. That metaphor applies in your personal life and in your business life. You know, uh, I, 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 my background is uh, an entrepreneur that started six businesses that went nationwide. Uh, I get introduced as a speaker and they build you into this being something near God. Uh, uh, the, 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 you know, they, we, don't, we don't tell the, the story behind the curtain of all the agony and the pain of building the business. I, I, I've never had a business where I didn't want to quit. I've never had a business that didn't have its challenges. In, in 1998, we were Inc. number 10 on the Inc. 500, 10,100% growth. And Ernst and Young honored us as Entrepreneur of the Year, right? So that's what you would hear in the intro to me as a speaker. But, but what we leave out is the day that I stood, by the way, within 12 months of those honors, the day that I stood in front of 275 employees and let 240 go that day. Because the company went from making a million dollars a month in profit to losing a million dollars a month. And we did it in 30 days. And it had to do with things outside of our control. Uh, <laughs> that business, we reconstituted and downsized it and rebuilt it. And today it's thriving. But you, you just have to realize that life is filled with challenges, pain that you need to push through. Personally, uh, how, about, how about Bonnie getting diagnosed in February of 2017, stage four pancreatic cancer? Neither one of us know what that even is, Greg. We can come back to the house, go to our respective computers, and then come back down and look at each other and fall apart because stage four was a death sentence. You know, uh, most of most people that are given that diagnosis are gone in 60 days. And here I am. I've never lived on my own. I went from my mom's house to Bonnie and my house in a single day. And she's been my, 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 my best friend all the way until 68 years old. And all of a sudden I lose her in November of 17. I don't, I don't even... I don't even know how to operate a single thing in the kitchen. Uh, I, I've never gone in there. 
I, I, I don't know. I, we've got a washer and dryer in the house. I just need to find it and then get one of my kids to tell me how to operate it, right? Uh, and that's the practical side of losing Bonnie. How about the emotional side? And then how do you rebound and go on type of thing? So life, life, life is, is, is an endurance race. Very, very well said. Um, and Jen, I'd like to just to tee off a little bit on the emotion side of endurance and talk about, you know, in endurance racing, you feel it, right? There's a different feeling at the start line. There's a different feeling at the finish. There's a di feelings across the, the race. But even prior to that, it's, it's those dark training days that you're all by yourself and your mind is going one way, your heart's going into another. Talk, tell us some stories or give us some examples of how some of the demons that you've come across emotionally related to sort of building that endurance muscle. Yeah, so, so you know, as, as much as I underscored that there was never an Ironman race that I didn't want to quit. Um, uh, it, it, uh, I'm, I will tell you that the day that you race is actually a day of celebration. Uh, uh, people will say, man, that, that day that you raced, that, that, that had to be like brutal and painful. And um, actually, the six months that went on before race day, uh, uh, 15 to 25 hours a week of training physically for the Ironman race. Most of it done solo, not with a group of people. So whether it was the swim or the strength training or the biking, you're out. I, I, you got to get a half a dozen hundred mile bike rides under your belt, at least for the Ironman. And you're not allowed to draft in the Ironman. So you shouldn't do it with a pack of other bicyclists. You, you should do it with the full wind in your face because that's what's going to happen on race day. Well, that's a six to seven hour commitment in and of itself. Uh, uh, it, 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 you've been doing whatever you do in life all week long, and now it's Saturday or Sunday, and you're going to take the next six or seven hours and um, go into the pain cave of riding this bicycle by yourself. Uh, is there other things that you could be doing? Would they be more pleasurable? All of those types of things. So uh, Ironman Day, you show up, there's 2,000 other competitors. There's always people out on the, on the, on, on the racetrack. Uh, and they're serving food all day. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it gets to be old doing the goo and the Gatorade and all. But, but there's food stations. There's people clapping and cheering for you. None of that's going on on, on practice. And that's every day for six months. Uh, and, and so, you know, how bad do you want it, right? Uh, I'm going right back to the joy of knocking it off the list, the joy of accomplishment, the joy of crossing the finish line far exceeds, far exceeds whatever that six month of training and pain and all the rest of that. And I, let, let me tell you this. Uh, I have, I have personally, um, uh, put more than a hundred people into the Ironman that didn't think that they would ever be able to do that. And I sat down with, broke the race down and showed them mentally how to get through that. 
and then physically detailed out what you needed to do to prepare for that. So many of those people, Greg, have come back and said, when I crossed the finish line in the Ironman, it told me there isn't anything that I can't do if I want to do it in life, no matter what it is. And, you know, in my book, Life by Design, uh, I, I cite the story of Mike. And, you know, Mike was over 400 pounds when I met him. And today he's just a tad over 200. And um, he's gone on to do unimaginable things, not just in racing, but in business and in his personal life. And he keeps coming back to, uh, it was taking on the endurance race and crossing the finish line that told me, um, if I want to accomplish something, I can get it done. I can push through the pain. So taking that one step further, I do love Mike's story. Um, and there's so many similar to that when you get into the Ironman races and, and watching what people can accomplish from, from couch to Ironman. Um, for me, it, a lot of that success and the ability to do it comes down to routines, what you do. And it goes back to your goals and your book, your annual goal setting. Talk to us a little bit more about your routines and, and which then leads us into your book, Life by Design. So kind of give us that full spectrum of daily, weekly, monthly routines and how that builds into a life by design. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm remarried. Uh, never did I think that would happen. Who would be interested in this old codger with a lot of bad habits and racing and all the rest of that. But a 20 plus year client, Karen, uh, and I were out just uh, catching up on life at dinner, uh, August 18th, 2019, and had heard me talk about in every session I delivered to her salespeople and her employees, how impactful goal setting and tracking and measurement was. She, this is no news to her. Um, she moved in with me and she saw me take this guy out every day, looking at my goals, recording, and the discipline and the routine that I was in. And she sat down after about six months and said, that thing really works. Um, uh, uh, she goes, I brought one, I bought one of these at Office Depot or Staples or whatever. And she said, um, talk me through it and I'm going to give, give this a go. Wherever she travels, she's got this with her now. And, um, and, and, and her, her blood pressure numbers have dropped. Her resting heart rate has dropped. She's off of certain medicines that she was regularly on. Um, the doctor just measured her bone density yesterday after seven years and it's no change. And the doctor's like, how, how does that even work? And she goes, well, let me tell you what I do in my routine. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't even think about this, but, um, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning and by five 30, I'm in my home gym. And, and so, um, this morning I, I did a, an hour on my rowing machine. Um, I do 15 minute segments with a minute break. Uh, and I watch a movie as I'm doing it on Netflix or something and, uh, takes the boredom and tedium out. And, and then I dropped a half hour on the Peloton bike and then I have breakfast and here I am with you. Um, 
I'm not finished. That's called part one of the daily double. And so somewhere later on today, I'll go to the gym and do a strength workout. I'll go out and take a beach run. I live at the beach and that'll be a four to eight mile run. And so the, the, the bookends uh, is, you know, an hour and a half in the morning to two hours and an hour and a half to two hours in the evening uh, is just a normal day for me. It's like people eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's happening business-wise, no matter how packed my agenda is, those two things do not get moved. Mm. Uh, you know, I use this analogy with people all the time because I'm on airplanes so often. Before the flight takes off, the flight attendant's up there talking about, well, these oxygen masks might drop out of the ceiling on you. And uh, if you're traveling with kids, put yours on first. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of that. And that is a great metaphor for life. Uh, I can't be helpful for my kids, my grandkids, my wife, anybody, if I don't prioritize me first, me and my health. Uh, at 28 years old, I put on my bucket list, I wanted to live to 125. And people laughed at me back then. And some still laugh at me today. But what I said was at 28, if I did the right things behaviorally till I was 75, medical science would figure out how to take me to 125. But if I handed them a broken down old man, they wouldn't inject the science. And so um, my doctors tell me I'm in phenomenal shape. Well, it's not, it's, it's not by accident. I didn't get genetically uh, favored. My doctor tells me that um, I was, uh, I'm, I, I'm playing a bad deck, a bad hand, um, and I play it better than anyone else. So genetically, I didn't get favored, um, but, but you can focus on that which you have control over. And we all get 168 hours a week, and I'm going to allocate three hours a day um, to taking care of myself physically. I love the fact that you put that first, right? It's it, your book, as you said, your bookends are non-negotiables. Um, at the beginning of this year, I set a goal for myself to, to either run or walk a mile every day. And just last week, my family and I, speaking of travel, we're heading off to spring break. And we get a call from the airport, the airline saying your flight's been canceled, but if you can get to the airport in an hour and a half, we could book you on a new flight. And so we show up to the airport, get in all that panic, and it's an overnight flight. And I realized, I turned to my wife and my kids, I said, guys, today's going to be the first day that I missed my mile. <laughs> and they said, no, you're not. And I walked in the airport <laughs> for my mile before getting on the plane. For sure. Yeah. It's amazing. Sure. I, I get these daily, even the daily small something for yourself every day, just kind of to your point, lowers your blood pressure, helps your resting heart rate. Um, I, I look, I, 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 you know, you, you know more than the listener about me. Um, I, the stuff I, I track an, an incredible amount of things and people want, will, 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 will tell me why they don't and talk about, well, I don't have the time to track all that. I, I, I'm not spending more than five minutes a day tracking. Uh, it, it isn't like Herculean. And we've got so many different apps available and 
things on our wrist and everything else. Uh, it, all you have to do is just to get a commitment to just log them in. I log them in on breakfast every morning. It's just, I'm looking at my goals. I log them in and we're done. And then I tabulate them on the week basis and a month basis, quarter basis and annual basis. Uh, it's just not a big deal, but that discipline is a big deal, right? So, you know, I, 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 my goal this year is 5 million steps. Um, and you know, I, I, I crushed that number last year and I'll crush it again this year, but break that 5 million steps down into something daily. And, um, you know, people talk about 10,000 steps a day. Uh, I'm way beyond 10,000 steps a day. And, 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 and Karen is, 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 is diligently trying for 12,000 steps a day. And I watch her sometimes in the evening. She'll look and, and she's an hour away from bed, but she's a thousand steps down. And all of a sudden she'll just get up and start walking around the house <laughs> because she wants to check the box. Right. And, but she's, but she's benefiting from health wise from all, all of this routine, right? Yeah. Bert Ornish, I love that expression he uses routine will set you free. Uh, and, uh, and, and it gives us the, the freedom to do a lot of things we want to do. And Jack, that's a great segue into your new book, um, Life by Design. Talk to us about that tool and how the audience members can use it. Uh, your passion behind, because it's a different book than any other book that you've written. Walk us through that and how our audience members can use it as a tool. Yeah, so, so this is what it looks like. And that's me at the Grand Canyon about to do the rim, the rim, the rim. Um, but the reason I don't what was that I brought this out today is I wanted to show people visually and tell them that this book is uh, 294 pages, but uh, it actually it actually stops at 165. 130 pages is the appendix. And in most books, you don't read the appendix, right? And the appendix is the forms and templates that I've used in my life for the tracking and measurement. And they're filled in and, and my race journey is filled in. And then all of the forms and templates, the blanks are in here for you to utilize in building your own life by design. The reason I bring that up is I decided to build a website called jackdailyslifebydesign.com and the entire appendix is in there for people to download. So you don't even need to read the book or buy the book uh, to get the benefit. And you can watch what I've done and I give multiple years examples. And then here's the blank forms, have a go at it. And, you know, the front part of the book is more of a bit of an autobiography. People tell me that there's some inspiring things that are going on in that front half of the book. That's nice to hear. But you don't really need to, to do that. You, you could figure it out just from the appendix and you just go to the website and download it. And, um, and to me, to me, it's really easy. Um, um, the other thing that I talk about in the book is having a bucket list and, um, and I, I, my first crack at it, I called it the life list until the movie came out. And then I said, that's a better name. I'll call it the bucket list, but I have over 400 items on my bucket list. 
400 items, but over 300 are complete. Um, and and th this is a great example. Um, th this is me sitting in the cockpit of a jet fighter plane. And on my bucket list, it said I wanted to fly a jet fighter plane. And a, a YPO guy read that on my website and he emailed me and said, is that box been checked yet? And I said, no. He sent me another email with a picture. He said, I bought this uh, jet fighter plane from the U.S. Air Force. Would it qualify? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He said, we just need to figure out where and when. And we did. He got he landed the plane in a place that was logistically good for me and him. I got in the back of the cockpit and off we went. And I literally gave me the controls and I flew a jet fighter plane. The reason I bring that up is um, you, you can't do the things you want to do in life if, one, if you don't know what you want to do in life. Mm. Like, 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 why not sit down and make a list of all the things you want to do before you're dead or before you're too old to enjoy them? So you can't, you can't, get, you can't get there unless you know what there is, right? So, and then the second thing is share it. Share it with as many people as possible because the amount of people that have come out of the woodwork to help me achieve my bucket list is enormous. It's enormous. But nobody can help you get where you want to go if, number one, you don't know where you want to go, and two, if you don't share it. So I've been sharing my list all, all the time, and then people come in to say, hey, I noticed your list. You don't have um, Run with the Bulls in Papalona. And I'm going, have you done that? Yeah. Oh, isn't it dangerous? Ah, you're, you'll be fine. And check out these photos. And they got the white outfits with the red sash and the hat. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to put that on my list. Right? And so, you know, my list gets refortified regularly. Uh, and and I, have, I have some, 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 some incredible things on the list uh, uh, that have been checked, like the marathon in all seven continents, marathon in all 50 states, you know. That didn't start that way. My bucket list started with run a marathon. And, and it wasn't until my 10th marathon, after running them for 10 years, that a guy passed me in a race with a shirt that said I ran a marathon in all 50 states. I caught back up and said, what's the story? And he told me there was a club on the internet. And then I upgraded my bucket list with that, right? So it's always under construction. So uh, things that I haven't done on my bucket list, uh, I, I want to I hold the flame uh, in an Olympics. Uh, so the torch, uh, I want to be carrying the torch in the Olympics. I don't need to be the last guy that lights it at the stadium, but along the journey, every 10th of a mile, somebody else is holding the flame. Um, I want to be the president of the United States in the White House. I don't want to be on a tour. I, I don't want to be with a group. I want to be uh, in the White House as Jack Daly meeting the president whatever president, whatever party, doesn't matter. I also have on my list that I want to, uh, I want to uh, uh, fly on Air Force One. Um, and I figure that if I get the first one done, we'll do that the same, we'll do the, both the same day. And by the way, to get from the Oval Office to the, to the Air Force One, we'll probably be doing the helicopter too. So I'll lock that one off. Uh, and I haven't played Augusta yet. Jim Masters just finished recently. So I'll, uh, and I've got people that are working on all those things right now for me. Uh, so, but, but nobody can get to work on helping me if I don't know that I want to do that. So here's the question for the listener. 
what is success to you? What is success to you? If I get on stage in front of a thousand people and say, how many people by a show of hands want to be more successful than you are today? How many hands are up out of a thousand? A thousand. But if I leave the stage with a mic and go and pick on individuals and say, so tell me what success is to you, it's crickets. If you can't articulate success, then how are you going to map your journey to get to that end zone? And so that's what Life by Design is about. Uh, intentionally led, exceptional life. That's what it is. And uh, many of your um, followers um, know the name Simon Sinek. And uh, Simon is a, is a long-term good friend of mine. Before anyone knew the name Simon Sinek, I knew Simon Sinek. And he read the book and... Um, and he, and, and he sent me this testimonial that I literally had to put on the cover and I get embarrassed in a good way. Every time I read it, um, here's what Simon said. Thank God Jack Daly exists for decades. We hired Jack to teach us how to sell better yet all the while, what he was actually teaching us was how to be better human beings. And you know, that this book is very emotional for me. Um, I do CEO coaching. And one of my coach clients from Seattle was coming by my home in California to get to San Diego. And he was, he, his wife and three kids were going to be with him. And so they stopped at the house. I gave him my book. And about three months later, his nine-year-old son sent me an email. And he said, Mr. Daly, I don't know whether you remember me. I'm so-and-so. I met you with blah, blah, blah. And I just want to let you know that I know that Life by Design was written for adults but I just finished reading it and it really inspired me. And I just wanted to thank you for writing the book. It's not just for kids. In fact, I now have three primary goals. I'm working on some others, but my three primary goals right now, one is start a business. Two is read 50 or more books in a year. And three is get straight A's in all my, all my classes. I'm working on some more and I just wanted to say thanks for writing the book. That's awesome. Like, is there any better feeling in life than that? Right. Absolutely. Um, it makes me, when I, when my daughter comes home today, I'm going to run upstairs and grab your book and say, here's your homework, honey. <laughs> and uh, I'll come, come talk to me in a week. So, Jack, so, so I'm speaking at the Southern seven YPO gathering uh, this in a couple months. Um, they're doing it in Branson, Missouri. And I have two sessions, one sessions for couples, because when I've done couple sessions, you get both looking look at each other going, Hey, uh, let's take our game up. Right. Uh, and then I'm doing a session for kids and, uh, that's going to be an absolute blast. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll put links into the show notes for Jack's book and his contact information. What is your preference of choice? Uh, LinkedIn email for for somebody to reach out to you? Oh, email. Yeah. Jack at jackdailysales.com. Uh, that's and D A L Y is my last name spelt Jack at jackdailysales.com. And I read all my own emails. I may, I uh, may not, uh, take action on them all. I have a team of assistants, uh, that I talk about all the time. Um, so if you don't have an assistant, you are one. Uh, so th there's certain things that my team can answer quicker than I can answer, but 
on I don't have anybody filter my emails. I I I I, I like to read first time through everybody's uh, correspondence. Oh, that's awesome, Jack. Thank you again for sharing your wisdom, your insights in the book, your endurance mindset, the the true life examples of the benefits of an endurance mindset and how, um, you know, training and success all wrap up into those hard days when you're on the pavement bleeding from your elbow and you know this isn't the worst day you've had. I think I think the message, if if people really tune in to the fact that I'm 74 years old, they they should be walking away going, man, if he can do it, mm. I can do it. And it is whatever you decide. I, I don't claim to know what success is for anyone other than myself. That's a great, great statement to end on. Thanks yeah. again, Jack. You bet, Greg. Good to see you. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits. 